Just Our Real Estate, episode number 225. I would have I purchased that four unit 10 years earlier. You know, I, I would have bought it in 1993 instead of 2003. Yeah. And, you know, by now I'd be laying on a beach earning 20%. You know, that's my favorite. That's my favorite Hans Gruber quote from Die Hard. <laughs> All right. Thank you and welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you for joining me here on Just Our Real Estate. My name is Mike Simmons. I am your host. And before we get started, I want to ask you to pause the show. That's right. Pause the show. Jump over to Just Our Real Estate, my website. And on the right-hand side, there is a banner for Lead Propeller. Lead Propeller is a lead-generating website that is really so easy to get started. It's so intuitive, and it's just a beautiful site. And it's run by my buddy, Danny Johnson. I am a, am a member. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a customer of his. I can't tell you how great these sites look. They are fantastic for generating leads for your internet business. Everyone knows about the MLS. Everyone knows about direct marketing. Everyone knows all these different methods of getting leads for your business, but most people don't talk a lot about generating leads online through your website. It is awesome, guys. I am already generating leads from my website. I've only had the site now for a few weeks. It is beautiful. I suggest you go get yours. Here's the best part. My listeners, you guys, we all get one month Free. So you can log on, become a member, become a customer, get your website up, see how it looks, see how it performs. And if you don't like it, if you're not happy with it after one month, you're free to just walk away. You owe nothing. But if you love it, if you know that it's going to help you generate leads and help you grow your business, it's very inexpensive. Right now, it's only $29 a month. That cost is going to go up soon. I guarantee it. Danny has absolutely said it's going to go up soon. You need to get over there and check it out now. Get your free one-month trial and lock in your price. He's going to grandfather people in. Anyone who buys prior to him raising the price will get it for the current price. So jump over there, check it out. It's on the right-hand side of my screen. Go to Just Start Real Estate. Click on Lead Propeller. It'll take you over there. You can read all about it and sign up. I highly suggest you do it, guys. Getting leads through the internet is vital to you growing your business in this real estate climate. Go check it out. You'll be happy you did. All right, now on to the show. Okay, today I have decided to replay a past episode of my good friend Doug Benson. He is a buy and hold investor. As a matter of fact, he buys apartment buildings and he is one of the smartest guys, one of the most savvy investors and really knows what he's doing when it comes to buying and holding property. Very good interview, really had a lot of downloads. A lot of people told me how much they loved it. I wanted to bring it to you today. It's it's from way back in the archive, so if you've just started listening to the show, this is definitely gonna be new for you, and I think you're really gonna love it. So take a listen, and uh, I hope you enjoy it. This time, as much as you did last time, if you've already heard it, but for a lot of you, I suspect you've not heard it, because like I said, I dug deep into the archives for this one, and it was one of my more popular interviews that I've done. So if you're relatively new to the show, you, this will be new for you. And I think you're really, really, really going to like it. So I'm excited to bring it to you. Take a listen. As always, jump onto the show notes if you have any 
any comments, you can always email me or you can get a hold of Doug himself if you'd like more information about him. And if you're a buy and hold investor, if you have any interest in buying properties and holding them and specifically uh, buying and holding apartment buildings, this is your man. You need to get a hold of this guy. He really knows his stuff. He is a wealth of information. So excited to bring it to you. Sit back and enjoy. All right, thank you for joining me on Just Start Real Estate. I really appreciate it. Today I have someone on who I happen to know personally and really think a lot of. He's a super smart guy. Uh, I have on the line today Doug Benson. Doug is the owner, along with his wife Deborah, of Esker Properties. They specialize in investment and management of multifamily and single-family residential properties. Their current portfolio includes 44 apartment units, and they closed on two houses in mid-December and currently have two houses nearing flip completion. They're always looking to grow their business, and 2014 is no exception. Welcome to the show, Doug. It's great to have you on. Mike, it's great to have you, or for you to have me, and boy, to hear that I'm smart is something cool. Like I said earlier, I wish my mom was here to listen to it. <laughs> I, honestly, Doug, you're one of the smartest guys I've met in real estate. So <laughs> I don't know if that means I've not met enough people, or if you're truly one of the smartest guys. But I'm telling you, you've always impressed me. And you know, just for full disclosure, Doug and I have known each other for about five or six years now. Yep. And uh, we've we've spent a lot of time together of, over the course of that uh, five years. And I, you know, him and his his wife, uh, Debbie, are just great people. Super smart investors, but even more importantly, really, really, really good people in the industry. So um, I always like talking to them. I, I always learn something when I talk to them. And actually, Doug and I have, have spoken at events, at the same events here and there. And so I, I also know he happens to be a, a very, uh, very enjoyable to listen to presenter. So um yeah, I'm building it up, but but this wow, is going to be great. Wow, I think so. I'm going to have to get out my thesaurus, Mike. <laughs> I'm ready, buddy. All right. Um, yeah. So let's talk a little bit. I know you know I know your background generally, but you know what? I'm sure I'm going to learn something here too. So why don't we talk a little bit about how you got started in real estate? You can go back as far as you want. If there's something that's that's really pertinent to how you got into real estate, you can jump back as you can go back to childhood if you want. But I'm looking to find out how you got to where you are now. How did you get involved? Well, you know, Deb and I, we bought our first house when we were pretty young. I think I was 21 and she was 20. And uh, and that was, again, as a stepping stone from Deb's background. Her family's huge into this line of work. In my line of work, I think it's almost funny we look back. My parents never even purchased their first house till they were in their late 40s, early 50s. So my family was always rent a place. Deb's family was always buy a place and build a place. So she was really comfortable with this conversation. Uh, again, we bought our first home. And of course, you know, people are going to pull out their calculators and figure out I'm really one of the oldest guys you've probably ever interviewed. But we bought our first home in 81. And uh, mortgage rates were like 17% then. And so yeah. we, we, uh, we went a land contract route. And that kind of, you know, was a little bit, a little bit more of a complicated transaction. But you know, we figured it out and we worked it and we made it go. And uh, that was our first step. I, I think uh, we were there in the house for probably about six months and we thought a, a deck would be nice. And I just remember the day, I'll never forget it, when Dev's dad came over and cut that hole right in the wall to build a walkout doorway onto the deck. And I was, you know, I was almost in the fetal position, just watching all this damage and carnage take place. And when he was done, it was beautiful. And that kind of made me think, you know, there might be something good about this. So that was our start. I mean, it was 
uh, you know, mostly from Deb's side and uh, uh, her family's influence. But yeah, it was that first house. And, you know, we've been investing in real estate really since then. I, I think uh, uh, the one that we did where we already lived in a home but wanted to do an, own another home was in around 1992. Um, we bought this little uh, two-bedroom place in Holt. Uh, it was fascinating two-bedroom. It lived in by a family of I think it was a mom and dad and five boys. Uh, so they clearly needed a larger place. But uh, we, we were able to buy that house, uh, uh, turned it over. We made some extra coin and kind of thought, hey, let's roll. So, you know, that was our first one. And we've had fun doing it since. That's awesome. I, I honestly didn't know that you went back to 1992 with the first like investment property aside from your the home that you live in. So that's good to know. I didn't, didn't realize you went back that, you know, quite that far. So that's that's awesome. So well, you've, you've been investing since 1992, like, Aside from your the fan, the house that you live in, so from 1992 on is when you started doing an investment properties in addition. Yeah, to and maybe that's maybe that's to impress, hoping that you know a friend or one of my kids might listen to this thing. But uh, <laughs> you know, we we did that house in '92. We did another one in '93, and then honestly, Mike, we got to a point where you know we have four beautiful daughters. Suddenly, you add four kids into the mix, and you know, Deb's working and I'm working. We really stepped away from it after that. Uh, we didn't get, honestly, we didn't get back involved into it until, uh, geez, I think 2003. So we okay. probably went 10 years where we shut down. And I, I wish I wouldn't have done that, but I'm kind of okay that I did. I mean, family was really important, and I, I was okay with it. We put our focus there, but uh, we, we sort of were very comfortable. Those first two houses were successful for us, and we learned a lot, and uh, just... What I ended up doing was reading the income property classified ads for the next 10 years and just thought, you know, <laughs> uh, it, it's still out there waiting for me. Yeah, exactly. You know what? I, I think a lot of people do that and it makes a lot of sense. I did something even more ridiculous. I knew that I wanted to be involved in real estate and then it took me, oh geez, probably six or seven years of just being a flat out coward before I actually got the nerve to, to you know, plunk some money down and, and go for it. So, you know, I sat around and just kind of wanted to do it and didn't even like take the first step for six or seven years. So yeah, I hear you. I, I wish I could say that my, my reason was as noble as I had kids and, and I just put them ahead of my, my business. But the fact of the matter is I was just too afraid pretty much. <laughs> hey, come on, don't kill yourself over that. I mean, that's really the gist of it, isn't it? I mean, yeah. honestly, when you look back, it really is just kind of trepidation and hesitation. I, I think there, there's so much value in actually playing this game instead of studying this game. Yeah. Um, but, you know, enough on that. But yes, I, I agree with you 100%. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about now we know your background and kind of how you got started. Talk to us about your business today. What does it look like today? Well, today, you know, we still, we got that kind of small apartment business going on. We have 44 units. Uh, we're working a deal right now to more than double that. Uh, we're pretty excited about that. And we're going to uh, work on gathering up some larger amounts of private money to make that happen. Uh, but we're getting more and more sold on the idea that apartments is our future. I don't think we'll ever stop flipping homes. And we always seem to have people coming up to us and telling us about homes or we discover them, you know, working with folks for the MLS or whatever. But I really think where Dev and I are going to end up, I think after 20 or 30 or 40 years from now, uh, it, it will probably be with a heavier emphasis on apartments. So uh, we're pushing for that. Uh, I, I think we make good apartments. I think we make beautiful flip houses. So 
so far, uh, we've been able to do a pretty good job. Uh, the, our buildings are holding up well. The, uh, they feel like we're building wealth. And so that that's our business today. Uh, it's a business model this year is uh, hitting the gas is what we're doing this year. So Yeah, that's, um, that's awesome. And I can say I, I've seen pictures of your flip houses, and they are beautiful. And uh, I know what kind of uh, owners you are for your apartment buildings and, and your units. And I know that you guys are just very conscientious, and you do, you do some good stuff. And just for people who are listening outside of Michigan, um, where do you invest in? In, in, in geographically, where do you invest, and how far away is that from Detroit? Because that seems to be the only thing people can identify with in Michigan. So, oh, let that's them, funny. Let them know yeah, how I, safely away from Detroit you are. I, I I joke about that. I think I was talking to some folks, and I, I said, you know, for for us outstate people, anything to the east of twenty three, you're in Detroit. So <laughs> we're we're out here near Lansing, Michigan. Um, you know, we we actually live uh, halfway between Mason and Lansing. Uh, our apartments are in Holt and Lansing. Uh, we've been flipping houses now in Mason, uh, but we're, you know, I don't know if that's called mid-Michigan, Lansing area, whatever, but uh, we're the outstate guys, so that's where we're at. Okay, nowhere near Detroit. You're not doing any flips or any buying any apartments in Detroit. No, you know what? I mean, I'm, I'm still I'm still in love with that whole idea, you know, and, and it, it does paint a picture of how small I am, but I'm trying to grow out of this, Mike, as you know, but I, I like being able to drive by and see what my stuff is doing. I, I, that's important to me. Yeah. Um, I, I feel kind of happy, to be honest with you, when I can <laughs> pull into a parking lot and say hi to a tenant or recognize something's going on immediately. It, it's not like it's an obsessive thing, but I don't know that uh, that that that's not going to be a part of me in the future. So, and we like the area, to be honest with you. It's a it's beautiful out here, and you know, there's a lot of promising things going on out here. So, that's yep. why. Okay, and that makes—I mean—that makes sense. I, I always say that real estate's a local thing; it's a local business. I think I don't really know, and maybe this makes me sound a little naive, and and maybe uh, I don't know, but I, I don't know how people invest. You know, an hour, two hours, three hours, or across the United States. I, I just—I don't know how you do that effectively. You must just have incredible trust and incredible systems in place that you can do something that in an area that you don't live anywhere around, you can't drive to reasonably. Um, I always think—I don't know—I'm crossed between impressed and confused how that works. Yeah, that I bet that it's a fairly mechanical thing going yeah. on. I—I I love. I, Hey, you know what they say? Don't get too emotionally tied into your buildings. I'm emotionally tied into my buildings. I'm emotionally <laughs> tied into my flips, to be honest with you. I think, you know, Debbie clearly is, and I am as well. And I think that might be all part of why I, I like it local. I like, uh, you know, things within 30 miles of me that I can easily get to. And uh, it's just kind of who I am as a buy and hold guy. Yeah. Okay. And that makes sense. I, you know, I tell people not to get emotionally involved. So thanks a lot. You just dir you went directly against. Oh, me I'm sorry. People. No, I'm no, I'm just, I'm just kidding. We should have exchanged notes before. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, all right. So I know that you you run into a lot of new investors. I, you know, I was involved in a mastermind with you for a long time, and there was you know new people coming in. You've been in this for a while. You know, you bragged about going all the way back to the '80s. So you you've seen new real estate investors. What are they doing that's that just kind of makes you cringe? What do you see out there where you go, man? That's I wish you know they really need to talk to somebody. They're gonna they're gonna really screw this up. What are you seeing that people do wrong? Yeah, this would be a fun show of hands kind of thing. You know, I I I'll be honest with you. It's it's just that that too much emphasis on purchase price. Jeez, uh, I mean, it's an absolutely important data point, right? But it's not the only data point. Um, I just think these new folks aren't always, and I don't want to say they're honest because I, I think they're not always accurate with their numbers. 
uh, or they're not really in touch with the reality of the marketplace uh, in the location of where they're buying. Uh, and what I mean by that is you talk to any of these folks, and it seems like they overestimate, you know, ARV, after repair value. Uh, seems like they underestimate repair costs. They don't consider holding costs. It feels like they're always getting financially surprised. Yeah. And uh, so that that just sort of tells me, and maybe that's an experience thing, but, you know, it's it's like any exciting new thing. I mean, yeah, it's thrilling to have real estate. It's a, There's a ton of fun in buying a property, but that soon goes away if you don't have it figured out how you're going to get out from underneath that property. Yep. And uh, that's I think that's so important that maybe that 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 flush that initial uh, 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 can't wait to get get going maybe gets in their way. Here's another thing too is and from an apartment perspective, you know we Deb and I kind of we use that daughter rule that we like to joke about, and basically it's you know I, I just don't know that I'm going to own a building ever that I'm not comfortable if one of my daughters is going to live in it. You know, and and I'm not saying any of my daughters are looking for apartments because they're not. But that's that's still the filter that I have to put out there because in the end, it's all about the tenants. I mean, you can have as gorgeous a building as you want, but if you've got bad tenants, if if you're not doing a good job selecting good tenants, you're in trouble in this business. And you have a real profound ability to select good tenants if your building is in kind of a decent place, and. Again, you, you see apartment people buying great deals. I mean, Mike, you're you're closer to Southeast Michigan than me. I'm sure you're seeing some incredible uh, price per door deals down there. Sure. And I'll bet people aren't buying them because you know that some people are getting a little bit more savvy about. Ooh, somebody eventually has to move in there. Yep. And there's there's more than just me using the daughter rule. Let me tell you, there's a bunch of parents that are going to co-sign. There's a bunch of uh, folks out there that are just taken into consideration what is the lifestyle like to be in that neighborhood and so that that kind of hits sometimes with the new people too they they think because they own a four unit that it comes with tenants and, yeah, and that's that's a great point Doug actually yep. I had a I had a friendly debate with um, some of the uh, the guys over at bigger pockets when I was on their podcast about Detroit um, because you know they're they they know what they hear right Detroit's horrible and and you can't go anywhere near it and I think like I told them, it's fair criticism. A lot of it's deserved. Some of it isn't. But the bottom line is you can go to Detroit and buy a house for $5,000, right? And if you just look yeah. at the numbers, you're like, holy cow, this is this is such a windfall. Why wouldn't everybody just buy all these $5,000 houses? Because the bottom line is you can't rent them and you can't sell them. You can't keep them rented, even if you're lucky or, or unlucky enough to rent them, because the area is not safe. I mean, at some point, you know, it just goes back to that rule that your parents tell you. If it looks too good or sounds too good to be true, it probably is. You need to look yeah. a little farther into it. And unfortunately, I think people are naively buying these houses or selling them, you know, to people outside of the state who maybe don't know. And, uh, you know, it's just a really bad situation. But, you know, yeah, there is some great uh, prices per door down here in certain areas. But, you know, there's a reason. There's a reason. And, and, and if you have to look closely, it's not to say you can't find good deals where you get a really good price, you know, for a rental. But if, if, if there's just tons of them and they're a dime a dozen and nobody's buying them, you know, you really have to look and wonder why. Yeah, no, you're exactly right with that, Mike. I mean, exactly right. I, I'm just that that usually is your limiter to you being able to get involved with real estate is the price. And I think 
the minute it dips below to something that, wow, I can afford this now, you, you just got to make sure that everything else works or else yeah. it's just going to be, I mean, it honestly, it is a tenant game. And I, and I think other people don't grasp that. I mean, that is the value. That's the asset are these good tenants, these decent tenants. And you have to appeal to them, you know, and you can't lie to them. You know, you can't invent something that's not true. They're they're wiser than you. They've already researched the neighborhood. They already know the crime stats. They've already got friends that went to school in the area. So you you just have to, you know, have a legit product, and uh, location is a large part of that. Yeah, absolutely. Now, you mentioned, I just want to touch on something, and hopefully I'm not catching too bad off guard here, but you've emphasized that, that tenant screening and tenants are your, your real asset there. Just basically tell tell the listeners how do you go about screening tenants just from maybe a basic standpoint what are the key points when you're trying to screen tenants for a rental or an apartment whatever the case may be well you know we try to have a pretty good conversation with them when they first call up to ask about availability of a building I mean uh, we're not too well practiced in this for the last two months because we've not had a vacancy until uh, about a month ago but we we do have a single vacancy I've got a little bit of a funny story that remind me to tell you about that after I'm done with this but okay. the the basically we're we're putting in front of the tenant on the telephone we're looking for this we're looking for three times the rent and income we're looking for someone without a criminal record we're looking for someone who's not a smoker and we're looking for someone that has a legitimate good rental history and and that's we can have that conversation real easily over the telephone and that's a great starting point um, and it's usually the one that trips them up is the good rental history. I've, I've found that that has been so much a correlation to how good are they going to be for me. This isn't an income conversation. Uh, it, it, it really isn't. In fact, you know, we're talking about three times the rent. We will make an exception to that if this person is living correctly such that they can go, you know, two, two and a half times the rent, but they're such a wonderful uh, responsible, good tenant. Um, and, and so that's at least the first filter. You know, obviously we put applications out in front of these people. We follow up all on it. Um, one thing we've discovered recently, which is a little disconcerting, uh, is that on some of the folks that, uh, you know, and it's easy to see why they have to, but they invent contact names for their previous landlords. Um, We've we've discovered and uncovered you know people who they list as uh, previous landlords, and these people have no affiliation whatsoever with the property. Uh, if you call them from a different phone number and use a, a different name, uh, they'll answer the phone. <laughs> wow. And so it's just it's something to kind of keep your radar up and running. But I think tenants are becoming, uh, or at least applicants are becoming more savvy that they're recognizing that rental background does really mean something. And uh, some of them are getting creative, so uh, something to watch out for there. But uh, that's a that's a huge conversation with me, and a conversation I really do love to have is you know with all these prior landlords to sort of get a, a flavor and understanding of who this person is. I mean, you're only going to get that one good time to do it before you make the commitment to them. And I tell you what, it's so much better. I mean, if you have a building that's not falling apart at the seams, you know, it's in pretty good shape with decent tenants in it there is such a thing as passive income. I mean, yeah. anybody that's talking about passive income has discovered that. Uh, if you have a, a volatile population of tenants that maybe haven't been screened so good or maybe got other troubles that you didn't really, couldn't really figure out or get across or understand, 
um, that's that makes for a phone ringing all the time, and that makes for a, a bad day, if you will. So. Yep, that makes sense. Now I'm going to bring you back to the funny story because I want to hear it. Okay, so <laughs> the the guy shows up, decent guy, actually related to uh, someone else in one of my buildings, and he puts money down to hold the unit. And I'm doing cartwheels because hey, we're at a hundred percent. You know, it's kind of that. I don't know. I mean, maybe everybody's always at a hundred percent, but for me, it's a personal. Makes me feel like maybe I'm doing my job right. <laughs> right. Okay. So uh, now it's time to sign, and it's like New Year's Day, and I can't get a hold of the guy. And I thought, well, you know what? He, he's got to be watching the Spartans, right? It has to be that. <clears throat> right. Well, okay. So then the game's done, and I still can't reach this guy. So finally, he calls me the next day, and uh, he told me, you know what? I decided to live with my girlfriend. And I thought, now how did how did you? you <laughs> How did you not know that was going to happen? I just thought it, it had to have been borrowed money that he gave me to hold the unit. That's all I can figure. But uh, yeah, I know. Okay, so maybe that wasn't too funny. But in my <laughs> book, that's a funny story. All right, well, so what happens to the money? Well, I, I honestly tell him. I said, you know what? Uh, this money holds the apartment for up to two weeks. I said, if, if between now and the two weeks, uh, you decide you're going to go overseas, fly to France, and live under the Eiffel Tower, I said... The money's going to stay here. You know, I mean, it's not refundable. Right. And everybody's kind of fine with that. And I normally, I think in probably 10 years, I've had three or four times where the person gave me money to hold the unit, but just something else happened in their life where they didn't sign the lease. And this was one of those four times. So that's that's my funny story. And so we're just running ads again. I mean, you know, nice. we're going to plug someone else in there and uh, all will be well. But I, I just was surprised. I mean, you don't normally have a girlfriend that you suddenly discover that's where you're going to live. Yeah, exactly. You know, wasn't, so, that, wasn't that on the table? Yeah, you know, I, I should have. <laughs> <laughs> I, I got to add something to my screening process. Right? Uh, that's great. Oh, that would be a great question to ask. Now, let me let me ask you, are you going to be living with your girlfriend? Have you thought about that at all? Right. Have, have, you, you, have you recognized that that might be an awkward conversation? <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's too funny. All right. So you, you started investing in apartments. How... How is investing? You said that's your future. That's what you th where you think you're going to end up. Why apartment buildings as opposed to single family rentals? Now I'll tell you right off the bat. I, I don't know if I've ever told you this because maybe we never really got into the conversation in the past. But apartments scare me. I, I'm I'm sort of I'm nervous about going to the the apartment route, and I don't know why. I I know the reasons for apartments that I've heard. You know, it's one roof and everything's in one location. It's very central, but something it's like something about it seems way too grown up for me i, I don't know what it is but wh why why apartments for you instead of single family well i guess you know i mean you you mentioned the thing i mean the the one address kind of where all the people are and all the mechanicals are and all the windows and doors and bathrooms you know they're all at one address and so just logistically it makes it a little bit easier but i'm thinking that from my perspective, I, I'm just looking across the marketplace and the population, and I just think there's, and I didn't really know that these folks existed. There's just a ton of people that don't want what comes with a house. I mean, they don't want to be shoveling snow. They don't want to be mowing the lawn. They don't want to have to worry about, you know, all the things that come with home ownership. So that's, it. it it's a, I don't want to say it's an easy get, but there are many good tenants out there that want to be tenants. You know, I, I used to think that every single one of my tenants was going to leave me the first chance they had to buy a house. Now, I know it's been tough to buy a house these last few years, and I get that. But, man, I mean, I've got people that have been with me, like, since day one. 
and and they're completely comfortable. So it accommodates a lifestyle. And and the, I guess the, you know, so I, I don't know if 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 I knew that before I got into apartments. But honestly, Mike, my my real answer here was monopoly. I mean, I wish I could be more profound than that, but. Yeah. This is like adult monopoly, and it, it does work. I mean, these commercial buildings, they're, they're, they're built kind of powerful, and they have pretty good uh, systems in place, strong sewer systems, electrical systems. I mean, mechanically, they're usually very sound buildings. And so I, my fear, you know, when, when we bought our first 16 unit, my fear was, oh, my gosh, you know, there's a boiler in it, and, you know, there's all these pipes running all over, and, you know, you go in the basement, look at that freaking electrical panel. But if you just step back and just sort of comfort yourself, you realize they're really built strong. They're really built powerfully. Now, you know, my buildings are all mid-60s to mid-70s uh, when they were built. But I guess the the real issue here for me is that I, I think they're no more volatile or no more uh, um, uh, untrustworthy than a house just standing by itself. So... Once you kind of get past the notion that every single one of those doors is is ready to collapse, suddenly then you can really start to appreciate, you know, the the advantages of, you know, like you said, all those people under one roof, uh, the single location. You know, here's another thing that just kind of occurred to me, too, is that if you have a really great neighborhood, right, and you're a single family uh, investor, yeah. you can plug a person into your house pretty easily because they're in that great neighborhood. And that can really help you to market and that can really help you to you know, ask a, a fair to decent amount of rent for that place. But think of an apartment building in a great neighborhood. I mean, I can leverage that 16 times yeah. uh, easily. Yeah. And so, I don't know. I mean, I I, I can't tell if I've 100% answered the question, but no, for me... You have. Yeah, uh, you, you have. Done. I mean, that, that makes a lot of sense. And I, and I know those things. I guess... For me, and, and and I probably am really like complaining to the wrong, you know, listenership here. But I guess you know sometimes the cost to get involved with apartment with apartments it kind of keeps people out of it too. Now we're in Michigan, where where maybe that argument is sort of not a great argument because real estate is relatively cheap here compared to the, you know some of the other places that people are listening to this. But it's still you know single family home is just a little cheaper to get in to get involved in than, than an apartment building so maybe that is part of my problem i, I that's don't know that's fair that's a very legitimate thing i mean sure there's more zeros with these buildings but i'll tell you uh the third building that we bought was a zero down 10 year land contract okay that's i'm glad you said that I, yep so i i mean that one wasn't very expensive um of course that building absolutely needed a new sheriff in town and i was that guy i mean <laughs> You know, there was a 12-unit building with seven vacancies, and four of the other five units were all, uh, I don't want to say rented. I think the better word would probably be borrowed yeah. uh, by the same family. Occupy. So, But, you know, I mean, we're, we're just comfortable in that setting, and it, it <laughs> that's a great building for us now. It's a beautiful building. But, uh, yeah, so that that's available. I mean, I'll tell you this. Um, if you're wrong about the people, uh, you, your frustration level can go way high really quick. And those guys want out, and sometimes they want out maybe more than what they're trying to uh, make a killing in the marketplace. So yeah. uh, there might be deals like that for you. But, yeah, you're right. I mean, getting in is a little bit tough. I mean, if you're going with bank financing, they're going to want typically a 25% downstroke. If you're going, you know, with, uh, you know, seller financing, I mean, you can be as creative as you want. So, And a lot of these buildings exchange hands with seller financing. So yeah. just, you know, see what you can do. 
Okay. And speaking of the zero down and, and how you buy these, can you can you run through one of your apartment complexes or one of your investments that you've done and just kind of give us round numbers generally speaking? Sure. How did it go down? Uh, this is a fun one because this is, I don't know, I mean, you're going to hear obviously an emotional attachment, but it's like, thank goodness Debbie is in my life because she had such a vision for what apartments could look like. Um, we ended up, there's a, Again, I'm I'm not buying big complexes yet. This is another 12 building adventure, but this one we bought out of bankruptcy, uh, and all these costs are out in the public record, so I don't mind sharing. I mean, I gave $217. I'm sorry, $217,000 for this 12 unit building. That's about what 18 a door, something like that. Yeah. Um, but it was two grand over asking price. It was two thousand more than what the bankruptcy court wanted for the building. And a lot of professional people and investors out in this area, you know, they teased me like, what are you doing? You know, you gave more than asking price? Man, I never would have done that. You know, and all this kind of talk, well, here's the deal. I own the building. Right. You know, like, I mean, sure. <laughs> You're right. I, I, I probably should have given less, but who cares? I own the building. I mean, I eliminated all you guys, and every one of them was interested. All I had to do was, you know, for $2,000, I basically made a lot of people quiet. But uh, yep. Uh, so I own it. We we probably put about six grand per unit into that building, okay. but it's because we could. You know, I mean, we when you buy it that cheap, you usually going to have uh, some dollars to work with afterwards. We did the whole new everything. You know, laminate floors, carpet, new cabinets, counters, fixtures, all that stuff, new windows, uh, just everything. So as a result of all this, you know, I've got a building now that cash flows at fifty percent occupancy. Wow. And that's pretty cool. I that's mean, very cool. I want to do that again. And that's what we're thinking we're going to try to be able to do with this uh, this next building that we're looking at right now. So and you use private investors to fund these. Is that correct? Uh, I didn't on this one. I didn't on Waverly. No. Okay. Okay. Uh, but no, this, this latest last... one, this, this latest one that's going to double your size. Yeah. This this latest one, we're going to have some private folks uh, helping us. We're, we're looking for some more private people as well. I'm going to, I have private investors. Uh, everywhere helping me with my single-family houses. I'm going to convert them, see if I can convert a couple of them over to wanting to be a, a small slice of a larger apartment deal. Okay. Um, but, so, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm sitting here at this this 12-unit. Of course, I got a mortgage payment, a tax bill, all that stuff, insurance. I got a small utility bill because I got security lights and lights that run in the hallway. But, uh, you know, when you, when you take a, a building and make everything new, uh, like my maintenance costs are like $200 a month. Wow. And I got to tell you, yeah, I was just looking at this today because I'm, of course, you know what time of year it is, right? I'm sending out my 1099s and yep. I'm starting to, I, I realize that that 200 a month, 80% of that is snow plowing and lawn mowing. Wow. So, you I know, mean, maybe I need to hire a That's nothing to do with the building, right? I mean, that's, that, like you said, the, the building is so new, everything's upgraded that if most of your expenses are going towards something like mowing the lawn and, and plowing the snow yeah. that speaks to you know how soundly your your buildings are put together and how well they're you know how well they're maintained absolutely mike absolutely i mean and honestly 200 bucks is almost zero in my world right yeah uh and again like you're saying it's because everything's new and my marketing costs are nothing I've, i don't think i've spent a dime on marketing you know i mean craigslist has been my answer for everything that and word of mouth you know and well plus i i use a, a tool called rent links that you know, pushes my uh, apartment ads out uh, to the world. But so, 
boy, that's just a low expense building. Uh, you know, all the tenants are paying their utilities there. I, I do a few more of those, and I'm boy, I, I tell you, uh, life would make a lot of sense. Yeah. But um, yeah, so you know, so what we ended up there is we got good enough through our other apartment investments that we weren't afraid to take on this Waverly project. I mean, trust me, when we bought the building, it should have been condemned. It was a bad place to live, but it wasn't in a bad neighborhood. It was just the building was sour. Yeah. And uh, Dev and I did pretty good turning that over. I mean, people call this repositioning, right? And we, we sort of accidentally discovered that we were good at, at repositioning. I, I know that you know some people become accidental landlords when their flips don't sell. Yep. Well, our 16-unit building that we bought, uh, we were accidental repositioners uh, uh, because that that built. We just didn't have the eyeballs to recognize a struggling building. You know, I mean, we yeah. it was our first large complex that we'd purchased, and uh, it it taught us a lot about what people want, what we had to do to get a building up to speed, and we took that knowledge and. You know, boom, bought the, bought the 12 unit with the zero down, boom, bought Waverly. And uh, that was just, we're, we're now pretty comfortable that we know how to do this well, and it paid off. That's awesome. Now, okay, so this podcast is really directed toward, you know, new investors, people who either they've done maybe one or two properties or they haven't done anything yet, and they're trying to get the nerve and the knowledge and everything under their belt before they go out there and do it. So if you were going to rebuild your expansive empire, how would you do it? How would you start over? What would be your first steps? What would you not do? You know, maybe what would you do more of that you didn't do the first time around? Well, you know, that's a great question. I know we talked a little bit about this earlier. I we did everything ourselves on our first two houses that we did in 92 and 93. And again, you know, we had the four kids and uh, I think it was a matter of pride or something, but we thought we had to swing every single hammer swing ourselves. Um, we should have realized that you can leverage people's talents, but we just didn't know. Again, we were maybe too too new and it's always kind of been a source of pride for Deb's family to be skilled that way. Yeah. And uh, they make the best of it. Well, what we see now is that probably if we had to do it all over again, uh, we we maybe shouldn't have stopped. You know, I mean, we we should have had other people overseeing our projects, but stayed engaged and stayed involved. Uh, I think that if if I would have started all over again, um, I would have taken the path a little bit different. I mean, I I would have I would have purchased that four unit ten years earlier. You know, I, I would have bought it in 1993 instead of 2003. Yep. And, you know, by now I'd be laying on a beach earning 20 percent. You know, that's my favorite. <laughs> that's my favorite Hans Gruber quote from Die Hard. But uh, <laughs> wow, that's the first Die Hard quote I've ever gotten. So that's awesome. Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> if, if, if I can give you Die Hard quotes, you, you will be wanting to talk to me a lot. But yeah, that that was that was probably what I would do different. You know, I think the beginners can get engaged in this a little bit earlier. I mean, I know that I didn't start out with apartments because I maybe was, you know, thinking the way you were. They they seem big, they seem imposing, but you know, take a look at like what you learned from owning a duplex, or what you learned from owning a, a fourplex, right? Yeah. I mean, those are kind of like single family homes, yep. and you you learn everything that you need to know business wise about tenant screening, about providing property management services, about pricing and making sure you're viable in the marketplace. So I think a, a new person, you know, it maybe it would be okay to start out with a duplex or a fourplex. I just know I didn't do it that way, but I'm not convinced that I started out the right way. Okay. So uh, 
yeah, I think I think for a new person, you know, looking at a duplex, uh, looking at a fourplex, that that could make some good sense. Yep, really good advice. And I think that whole thing about thinking that you have to do the work yourself on your first couple, you know, we we did that, uh, Nanette and I, my wife and I, we did that um, same kind of thing. Difference is we didn't have the skills to do everything, so we knew we couldn't do everything. But to be perfectly honest with you, Doug, what I've learned, at least for our business, is it doesn't make sense for us to do anything. I mean, if we pick up a hammer or a screwdriver, I start wondering where we went wrong. So I really think if you're going to do this right, Right, and you're going to do any amount of, of, of uh, you know, any amount of like volume in this business. You just how can you possibly be turning a, a wrench at one of your facilities when your time is maybe better spent looking for for additional deals or looking for financing or you know whatever marketing whatever the case may be. If you're spending a lot of time in your house or in your rentals or flips or whatever, and you, you find yourself there at night with like spotlights on and drop cloths and you're painting, you're you're not probably doing it right. Uh, in my opinion. Oh, just keep preaching, brother. I'm in love, Mike. Yeah, no, you're right. I mean, so, yeah, I've been there with flashlights and, you know, trying oh, to do little things. And it's just, you know, I, I on one hand, we, you know, we're going, well, we're saving money. And then, you know, my, the best story I have is the first flip we ever did. We didn't do a ton, but we, we tried to do as much as we could. And at one point, it was, uh, we were outside, I was on a ladder and I was scraping the paint off of the back of the house so that it could be repainted. And I, I mean, the whole back of the house needed to be scraped and I had a putty knife in my hand and I'm scraping it and I probably got a two foot by two foot square done. And I said, how much are we saving again doing this? What was the cost to have this done? And uh, at the time, I don't remember what it was, but Nanette told me, actually, we did quote having it done. And I said, screw it. We're paying to have it done. I'm not going to be out here doing this again. I, I hate it. I don't, you can call me lazy. You can call me whatever. I tell you what, I have never regretted not scraping paint off of my houses since then. And, and I've done just find not scraping the paint. So. I, I hear every word you're saying, Mike, and I agree with you 100%. There are people that are that love doing that type of work, and they're so skilled at it that I know I could never be as good as them. That's why I'm really comfortable hiring these guys, because they're so far beyond what I can do, and they can do it so quickly, and I know yeah. it's done so correctly that for some reason I'm just like, why did I ever think that I had to solder up this joint underneath the basement of this house where the minute you turn the freaking flame on, you're setting your head on fire. And, 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 and I'm just, you know, I mean, I think that was just so I'd have a better story at the Thanksgiving table of yeah. look at the cool stuff I did this last year. <laughs> exactly. Now, you mentioned rent links that you use to get your apartments out there and get them um, uh, marketed. Are there any other links or any other resources that you guys use that you love that make your job easier, make your life easier? I mean, it doesn't have to be an internet resource necessarily, but what else, what other tools do you guys have in your toolbox that you might want to share? Well, I tell you, from a marketing perspective, again, uh, RentLinks, I'm a, a big fan of that because it works real well. It, it kind of reaches many corners of the internet. You know, I'm starting to find some good work uh, is available to me with Trulia. Um, I, I, you know, everybody tells you about, oh, don't use Trulia for uh, pricing houses and stuff, but you know what's beautiful about Truly is you can you can list your apartments out there. So you know, I mean, people use Truly now to you know take a look at at buildings that are available. So we're starting to use that a little bit. Okay. I just try to leave a, a presence. I, I'm a I'm a huge huge fan of Craigslist, um, and and you know of course I'm a YouTube guy. I mean I'm the crazy guy that walks with these you know this 
this camera. I don't even know. Yeah, I still have it. In fact, I just took a video of it two months ago. Yeah, where I'm walking around, you know, like Cecil B. DeMille pointing the camera. Okay, this is a toilet, and this is a door, and you know, here's the <laughs> kitchen. And it's just so embarrassing to do these videos. But people actually say, thank you so much for the video. I can tell if my sofa will fit in the dining room or whatever, you know, if my sofa will fit in the living room. Right. So, you know, I'm big, big YouTube fan, a Craigslist fan. I, I did start a, a Facebook page for marketing, but that was, I, I don't like the thought of using Facebook like that. I have a different presence in Facebook uh uh, than one that's trying to market my property, so I try not to to use that. But honestly, it's 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 heavy internet, it's heavy word of mouth, and now we have uh, uh, people that have actually they've been with us long enough that they have children and nieces and nephews, and they're starting to move in. So nice, nice, that's awesome. Yep. All right. So what else should people know about you in terms of what are you working on? What what do you have out there that you want people to take a look at? You know, how else can people find you? Well, um, I tell you, I've got a, a, a cheesy one long website, and I've probably got to stop down talking myself. I'll tell you, it's a spectacular, exhilarating, scintillating website. Yeah, change your, uh, it'll change your life. Yeah, it won't, <laughs> but it's fun to talk like that, though, isn't it? Exactly. Um, it's it's escrowproperties.com. Um, take a look. You can see some of the photos of the houses we've done. You can see some of our buildings, but maybe the most interesting thing is it's got this just boring contact form in it. Uh, I've had investors use that contact form to say, Doug, you know, uh, if you're ever in this in this part of the state, if you're, you know, please give me a call. I, I you know, I want to help you do some money. Uh, uh, so, so that's been available to us. So, escrowproperties.com, and and for people that don't know, you know, what is an esker? E S K E R. It's Okay, 10,000 years ago, whenever was the last ice age, and we had all these glaciers across Michigan, as the glaciers start to recede, you get these large rivers of water flowing back and forth across their surface, and they will leave rock sediments, okay? Mm -hmm. And as the eskers totally receive, recede, you have these things called gravel pits that they leave in their wake. And uh, uh, where you find eskers, you're going to find gravel pits, and that's that's where the name comes from, Esker Properties, because we live on a gravel pit. So nice. I, I just wanted to get that out there, Mike, because a lot of times, you know what? Uh, it just it causes the world to stop spinning for a minute when people <laughs> when when people say, you know, I, like I, I joke that very first loan deal we did when we bought the sixteen unit, the commercial loan guy goes, ah, oh, Esther Prop Properties he says, I you know I used to have an Ann Esther, and I just thought, oh <laughs> boy, yeah, I, we're gonna change the name right now. Uh, exactly, I think we just decided on her to, ch to change your name. No, that, there you go. that's great. Okay, so everyone, Esker. Properties, E-S-K-E-R. Yep. Esker with a K, yep, eskerproperties.com. Also, I have that little Facebook page out there that that's just more of a lark. That's kind of a, you know, there's funny anecdotes. There's, you know, lighthearted banner kind of about what's going on uh, with the apartments, with the houses, with the flips. I mean, people are welcome to come out there. That's more of a social setting, but you sort of, uh, you know, maybe get a sense of, of what we're about and what we're doing. But, uh, you know, we really love this business. I, I think we're pretty good at it. We have a lot of fun with it. And, uh, you know, with with Deb on board, and honestly, she's really the difference here. I, I kind of, I'm now sad that she's not here with me because, you know, I don't have that eyeball uh, for for color or for, you know, I mean, if it was up to me, every single stinking apartment would be white. You know, the doors would be all wood colored. You know, all the doorknobs would be shiny brass. I mean, it's just, Deb has this ability to to put into our buildings 
these appealing palettes and colors that, you know, it's no yeah. more expensive. It's just my buildings look like they're not out of date. You know, I mean, yep. they, they, they're beautiful when you go inside. And so much of that is important to appeal. Uh, if, if you, And another thing, too, she's such a, a driver for the, the clean and neat. I think that alone is a competitive advantage of how clean and neat our units are. Yep. When people come in, um, we, we've had, uh, for instance, a, a unit we just leased a month ago. Um, we've gone pretty heavy non-smoking uh, in our units. In fact, when I say pretty heavy, we just don't allow it. If you smoke, we, we're, uh, we get in your way of uh, uh, living in our buildings because, you know, there's just a real dark side to smoking other than what it can do to the human. I mean, it can really tear up a building, too. You know, it could obviously burn holes in carpet and vinyl and you know, burn up sink vanities and, you know, burn up windowsills and all this kind of stuff. So we just decided we're going to draw a line with smokers. Yep. Well, if you have a building that was built in 1964 and you draw a line with smokers, you still have 50 years of tar and nicotine residue that exists in these buildings. So now we're renting to non-smokers and man, do they have really a particular ability to recognize if if a person had ever lit a smoke inside this unit. So but we accommodate that. You know, I mean, we we want them to see that it's worth our while to replace the pad, you know, pull up the carpet, uh, uh, completely replace the blinds, uh, repaint, uh, rewash, whatever we can do. I mean, because that's part of our strategy. And so we want people to recognize we have as much passion to have the buildings meet their standards around that, too. Yeah. And it's been I, I, I wish we would have done this five years ago. The, the caliber of the tenants has been wonderful. The turning over the units has been so much nicer. And uh, I don't know. I, I, I don't want to act like that's my core business is uh, uh, non-smoking apartments. But that was, that was all Deb's idea. I mean, I would have never thought of that. I would have thought, oh, no, I'm going to miss out on 40% of the potential rental population. Right. It, it, it just didn't work like that. The people we have now that are coming in as non-smokers, they're, they're kind of more particular renters. And when they select me... Uh, it's an honor, and boy, that we're just getting some real good people doing that. So. And I'm assuming you're marketing non that it's a non-smoking building. We absolutely market yeah. that way, okay. yeah. And yeah. and I think that there's uh, I, I think there's something extra going on in our society today around uh, not smoking, and uh, it makes good sense uh, economically and aesthetically. So yeah, yeah. that's okay. what we're doing. That's awesome. Okay, I just want to remind everybody too, we're gonna to have all the links and, and all the, the notes from everything we talked about here today with Doug at if you go to juststartrealestate.com forward slash Doug Benson, and that's last name B-E-N-S-O-N, Doug Benson. So if you go there, we're going to have the notes and the links to, to everything we talked about, all the resources and all that good stuff. We're going to have a link to escrowproperties.com so you can go there and, and get, get a hold of Doug and, and uh, get to know him a little bit better. So yeah, this has been awesome, Doug. It really has been. And I, uh, no kidding, I was excited to get you on the minute I started this <laughs> podcast. Believe it or not, you can you can ask Nanette. I see, we were making a list of who do we know in the industry that we really respect and that we really admire and and you know what really like to be around and like to talk to and you and Debbie were on the top of the list so I'm I'm super super honored that you agreed to do this and it was every bit as fun as I knew it was going to be so yeah thanks a lot I, I really appreciate you being on well, Mike I really appreciate it too this is this has just been a lot of fun as you can tell I'm probably a natural born talker <laughs> uh, so I'm sorry for that, but boy, well, the, the it, difference it, is you're a natural born talker, but you're interesting and fun to listen to. So, <laughs> so that's okay. I don't mind that. 
I, I just, this, <laughs> it, it was an honor to even be asked. So thank you so much. And uh, again, if anyone has any questions or whatever, you know, work to get a hold of me and uh, we'll keep moving forward. I mean, 2014 is going to be a great year. I'm excited about it. I'm just, you know, we're, we're focused on getting that new building or at least new to us building. Uh, right. We're going to kind of do what we did to Waverly Road, only we're going to do it a few times over to this complex. And uh, that's going to be a real nice thing. So awesome. anyway, um, thanks for having me tonight. I yeah. really appreciate it. No, no problem. Tell Debbie I said hi. Yeah, I sure this will. It's been a blast. And again, thanks again. And I will talk to you very soon. Thank you. All right, bud. Bye-bye. Please also be sure to sign up for my mailing list and I will send you the top five resources I think every real estate investor should know about. Also, stay tuned for the upcoming announcement of my new coaching program. I'll only be able to take on a few students initially, and I will be telling you exactly how to apply in the next couple of weeks. I'm excited about this program. I know I'm going to be able to help a few people either launch their real estate investing business or take it to the next level in 2014. Okay, until next time, if investing in real estate is your dream, there's only one way you can make it a reality. Just start.